This is Democracy in Color, the voice of the new American majority. I'm your host, Amy Allison. Today, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, talking to David Garcia, the Democrat who was vying to be governor of Arizona. Uh, Mr. Garcia reflects so much from the new American majority. Arizona native, son of a Vietnam-era vet, his mother worked multiple jobs to make ends meet, and David himself enlisted in the military at 17, one thing that we have in common. He was the first of his family to finish college. He went on to be an expert in education, research, and policy. We were doing my standard lift yourself up by your bootstraps speech, and then I had a couple students raise their hand and tell me that that didn't apply to them because they were undocumented. And as I sat and listened to them, I was astounded. David was originally planning to run for superintendent again, but he changed his mind when the state expanded their controversial student voucher program. Thank you so much for joining us on Democracy in Color. Amy, this is amazing. It's an honor. Thank you very much for being here. And uh, I look forward to this conversation. Well, me too. And um, let me just start because there's so much to talk about with Arizona. Why are you running for governor? So you mentioned, first off, did you join the military when you were 17? I did. I joined the Army Reserves. That is incredible. You're the first who I know who joined at 17. I, I mentioned that because my dad had to sign for me to enlist, um, which is uh, a good tidbit. They, were they supportive? They were very supportive. My dad had served. They knew that it was the right thing for me to do. It changed my life, to be frank with you. Um, you le- I learned a lot. I grew up and uh, made a huge difference for me. Now I look at 17-year-olds and I'm like, really? I see them in the airport. And I, they look so young. And I realize, wait a minute, I was that young at one time too. But as we just to, to transition into the idea of the new American uh, majority and putting a lot on young people's shoulders. You look back at those troops, though, they were young men and women doing amazing things. And I think we see that all over the country right now, not in the military exclusively, but everywhere else in society. To go back to why I'm running, um, you mentioned I'm a native Arizonan. I am. I was born and raised here in Arizona. I'm a fourth generation Arizonan. And uh, I mentioned that because Believe it or not, when I ran in 2014, when your last name is Garcia and you're in Arizona, people feel comfortable enough to walk up to you and ask you if you were born here. And you remind them not only was I born here, my family was here before Arizona was Arizona, to remind them of the deep roots that we have uh, and many, many families have in Arizona. And um, I'm really here for two reasons. Number one, I'm here because I had a stable home. And it meant my dad just got, went up and got up and went to work every single day. He would get up before the sun would rise and comb his hair with a little water and leave. And I didn't realize how important that was until I got older and realized that families around me and neighbors were chasing rent and they were moving out and they had instability that I didn't. I could be a kid. I could worry about fractions and contractions instead of whether or not, uh, like today's young people in Arizona, particularly Latino families, whether or not you're, you're going to come home when your parents are going to be deported, whether or not you're going to have to move again. And, you know, I realize now how important that was. And second, I'm here because my family had a good public school to take me to. Kindergarten all the way through college, I had that opportunity. And I did run in 2014. I told folks I was going to run. I had not run for office before. You know, I walked in and said, look, I'm a pro-public education Latino that's going to run down ballot. A lot of folks turned to me and said, good luck with that in Arizona. Why? Why did they um, say good luck? You know, for a number of reasons. One, I, I believe we're a state that has gotten beaten down in public education so much that people believe there's nothing we can do anymore, number one. And two, you know, I have heard multiple times, uh, I don't know if you can win with that last name. 
And the reality is, I believe that a Garcia needs to win in Arizona. It may not have to be this Garcia. I'd love for it to happen. But for this state to really reach its promise, for this state to be fully represented by, by the people of Arizona, somebody with my last name needs to win. It's a real travesty in Arizona that we are not allowing those for all populations in this state. And I'm committed to doing that. Trump won the state in 2016 by 100,000 or so votes. Now, you mentioned having the last name Garcia, but also a Democrat in a state that hasn't elected one for governor since 2002. What does success look like running statewide? Yeah, it's a good question. I teach statistics at the university. And what I tell folks is, I wouldn't be in this if the numbers weren't there to win. And they are. I look at it now. I'm a first-generation kid who went to college, ended up getting a PhD at the University of Chicago, I used to think about the probability of that happening because I was studying statistics in grad school and I know it was long, but the reality is it was only made possible through public education. And that's something that transcends. But more particularly, we're going to change this state when the voting population looks like Arizona's demographic population. What are the issues that you think are most important to the demographics that the majority of people who live in this state? A number one is public education. Like you, we've already talked about that, but we are 50th in the country. We're a state that continues to show up on the bottom of every list. Um, you know, we're one of the worst places in the country to be a kid, which pains me as a native Arizonan. But Arizona has other issues too. Um, we have a, a population that's very concerned about health care. Um, we have an aging population, for example, that wants to make sure that they're going to be covered, that they're not going to go bankrupt um, if they face a medical issue. We also have a very poor population in Arizona. Arizona is a poor state in many ways, and we often kind of uh, toggle health care for our most vulnerable as a political ploy. We've got to tell those folks that they are going to get affordable, accessible health care. We're a state that um, is always battling with immigration. Um, we are a frontline state with respect to immigration. What do you think you would face as governor as it relates to a strong uh, pro-immigrant stand? Sure. Look, I-, I mentioned I'm from here, born and raised. And if you are from Arizona, you recognize that Arizona, a good segment of it was built by immigrant labor. And immigrant labor and our relationship with Mexico has always been part of our story. Economically, it's our biggest trade partner is Mexico. And so for me, what we need to understand is our history with Mexico and with labor has been when we need labor, we kind of turn a blind eye and we turn a blind eye because the price is right. You know, we have folks who are getting services done on their home. They're getting things constructed and the price is right. So they turn a blind eye. The problem is we as a country too often turn our back when times get tough. And when I'm in front of our immigrant population, I remind them, I know what they've contributed. I know they are contributing and we're not going to turn our back on them. I'm shocked that we haven't addressed our dreamers and we continue to use them as a political ploy. Those young folks are as American as I am. I believe that I'm, I'm just over and over again impressed with their efforts to get the same basic rights that I have um, and their efforts to make sure that they have them and um, we're going to support those young folks as well. Have Which, you heard? Have you heard from we, uh, these young people all the time? Uh, have you all been come, the time. Tell me about a time when they've come up to you and talked to you. You know, I still remember the very first time that my wife and I encountered this issue. We went back to our high school, which we had adopted to help a program get called Avid get students to college, and we got in front and we were doing my standard 
lift yourself up by your bootstraps speech that I've found to be so built into my fabric, I didn't even question it. And then I had a couple students raise their hand and tell me that that didn't apply to them because they were undocumented. And as I sat and listened to them, I was astounded that I was at my high school and this idea of the American dream, this notion that it could happen, wasn't real for most of the students sitting out there in the audience. And it was then that I came to understand the institutional struggles they face, the legal troubles that their family faces. And these were young folks ready to go to college, ready to contribute, speaking two languages, by the way, um, writing in two languages. And it was then that my wife and I began working with them, helping a number of them with college opportunities. As you're telling me that story, my heart hurts. It, it hurt. It hurt me. Look, I, I'd served this country. I, 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 was, I was under the impression that this is what, what it was about. And to turn and realize that, that most of the students sitting out there who now are living in my, my mom still lives in the same house, but in our old neighborhood, that didn't apply to them hurt me. And it has stuck with me. Uh, I'm really proud in 2014 and now in 2018 to have a number of those young folks working on our campaign in any way possible. Are they going door to door? They on are your doing campaign? everything they can. They are going door to door with information. They're holding meetings. Um, they are doing so much, and it is heartwarming and it's amazing. And we look forward to winning and letting them know that they have a place here in our state. Because, like I said, which country? I've spent a little time in Europe. They're looking for young people with talent in many countries, and we have them here. And we're not giving them an opportunity. And I think that doesn't make economic sense, but more particularly as an American, um, I just don't think it makes sense with respect to who I believe we are. You're listening to Democracy in Color. And before we get back into our conversation with David Garcia, let's take a step back and see how the race fits into the bigger election picture this year. Tim Molina, political director of the Courage Campaign and our political insider, is here to help break down the progressive political strategies and the numbers. Tim, I really like the conversation um, with David Garcia. Uh, it's really exciting. And this, you know, Mr. Garcia's race is so inspiring for so many people across the country, not just the Latinx community. It's just what he represents and what he's trying to do in Arizona is like so exciting. And the best part is the numbers. The guy, he can win. Wait, well, what do the numbers tell you? Yeah, well, right now, Garcia leads in the primary 53% to 11%. Wow. 53% to 11%. And his primary is until the end of August. So if he wins there, he's going up against the general. And I'm not saying that it's going to be easy, right? This is like deep Republican historical. This is a state that passed the racial profiling, you know, show us your papers bill. So it's going to be an uphill battle. But the numbers are really, really exciting for us to look at. It's actually possible to see a Latino govern in Arizona. I mean, the big picture is, and I always get offended, Tim, when people say Latinos are a sleeping giant. Mm. That is like super offensive because in Arizona, that's the biggest part of the population. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. No, this giant is awake. <laughs> let me say, let me say they're awake. There's a ton of registered Latinos that are Democrats that are ready to vote. And there's a real shot from what people have been asking and, you know, folks in the community. Uh, the numbers show that he could beat the current governor 44 to 42. 
very close, still a long way to go. But right. from what we're hearing, his his story and his vision is very inspiring for now, a lot of these now, people. Now, in season two, I went to Phoenix mm-hmm. and talked to the executive director of one of the grassroots organizations that's registering voters called One Arizona. And back then, they were registering voters, and they have been at it. It's It's not glamorous work, but it sounds like that might be the key. Yes. I mean, their work is working. I'm hearing that more and more people are registering to vote. More and more people are are waking up. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of communities that are feeling scared and feeling under attack. And in some ways, it works to Garcia's advantage. But what would it mean to Latinos throughout the country for him to win? Oh, it's hope, right? This is huge. If If a Latino can win, can make it to the governor's mansion in Arizona, like, what does that mean for Florida, for Texas, for California? Right. And there's a lot of races, not just gubernatorial races, but there's U.S. Senate races where Latinos running up against a Republican or the establishment. What can you tell me about Latinos in general? What are their voting patterns? I mean, if we look at 2016, for example, the numbers are telling. I think that if Latinos turn out in some of the bigger cities, like in Phoenix, Latinos make up 40 percent of all voters. That's huge. And Phoenix is one of the most populated places throughout the whole state. So you get those folks to turn out. That's why his numbers are looking so good right now. There's also 6.5% registered voters in Phoenix are black. And there's also one third of voters are unaffiliated. So we'll see how this plays out. Other thing is the current governor's performance rates are just plummeting. Under her leadership, people have been really feel like the state has gone the wrong direction. So, you know, her public disapproval rate is rising. And so right now, I think Garcia's efforts really going to have to go to some of those undecided voters and show that he can do a better job. Yeah. Well, what do you think? You can do it. Well, on that note, thank you, Tim. It is always good to hear your insights. Tim's going to join us again on the next episode of Democracy in Color. And in a moment, we'll get back to the second part of our interview with David Garcia. So let's just do the math. Yeah, let's do the math. Okay, because you're a statistics person, I hear. You just told me. All right, so Trump won Arizona statewide by about 100,000 votes. That's right, a little more, yeah. A little more? Uh, Registered 200,000. So what's the likelihood of being able to complete that gap? I mean, 200,000 is more than 100,000. Sure. How do you get people to actually vote on that day? How, How does that work? So one, I call it a Trump bump. And it's a basically a statistical overrepresentation of Democrats in every race across the country since 2016. I mean, local races to the most high-profile races in Arkansas and Alabama, for example. I mean, pardon me, Virginia and Alabama. That's a great start. But here's the difference. When I mentioned earlier, when our state population, our voting population looks like the state population, that's when we win. We turn Arizona and we don't turn back. It means our voting population needs to get younger and more diverse. And younger and browner. Younger I'm just going to throw and, that out there. You no, know, it's younger and browner, absolutely. But we got to remember we're a, we're a state that has a strong Asian influence, African American influence. But you're right, the numbers are among the Latino population. So, what is going to get people out there? Well, you know, I hear over and over again Latinos don't come out and vote. And what is this thing about the sleeping giant I've know, been hearing for decades? Well, play that through for a second. So, a couple things. In Arizona, Latinos have been asked to play defense over and over and over again. Go out and vote against 1070. Vote against Arpaio. Vote against Trump. Vote against Pierce. When was the last time we've had something to vote for? We believe that going out and giving the Latino community something to vote for 
one of their own, a kid from a neighborhood that looks like theirs, a family that looks like theirs, who speaks English and Spanish, who understands their struggle, that additional element of getting something inspirational and aspirational, we believe, is going to make up that difference for 200,000 folks. I couldn't agree more. The whole, the whole resistance, the missing link there, people, oh, join the resistance is for what? For what? That's exactly right. You're listening to Democracy in Color. We'll be back with more David Garcia. Hi, I'm Amy Allison, host of the podcast Democracy in Color, the voice of the new American majority. Join our conversations with today's best and brightest political leaders, strategists, and thinkers. Our mission, to take our country back with the power of progressives of every race. And we invite you to join us. To learn more, visit democracyandcolor.com or follow us on Twitter at Democracy Color. Okay, so this part of our conversation is called This or That. So don't think too hard on this stuff. Okay. But it might be the same game my daughters play, they, by the way. <laughs> oh, really? They have a This or That? Well, they we do what we do with This or That. But yeah, I really? hope it's the same game. We'll see. Okay, we'll see. let's see. Chalkboard or whiteboard? Chalkboard, without question. Old chalkboard. Old school, mostly because the whiteboards don't clean as well as the chalkboards. So we'll go chalkboard. Okay. All right. Cuff links or rolled sleeves? Rolled sleeves. I'm seeing your yeah, rolled, rolled sleeves right sleeves there. Rolled right here. <laughs> yeah, rolled sleeves. When I was a kid, all I wanted to do was to wear a tie and drive a Chevy truck. That was my goal in life. I just wait till so you became a professor. Well, but I yeah. Um, <laughs> That came a little bit later, yes. Um, but that was, you know, I thought if I was wearing a tie, I was doing something different. And of course, Chevy trucks were a thing when I when I grew up. Um, now that I wear a tie a lot, it feels a lot more comfortable just to roll them up and loosen the tie. Awesome, awesome. Okay, Coco or Moana? Coco or Moana? A uh, Coco. That was a beautiful, beautiful movie. Why? It was. Wow, that movie was beautiful. So we take our daughters to go see Coco. We cannot wait. You don't get very many opportunities to see your people on screen, to see your people on stage. Well, I am just amazed. There's people like you in the world. I'm very excited for what 2018 will bring. What do you need? We need help. We need the folks to know that we're out there and that we've got a shot to win in Arizona. And when we do, to understand and just stop and think about the impact that's going to have across the country. And you can find us at uh, dg4az.com. So my initials, dg4az.com. Take a look at what we're doing. Join us. Give us a hand. We can and we will make this thing happen. And when we do, like I said, we're going to send shockwaves throughout the entire country and start turning this place around. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us on Democracy in Color. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of Democracy in Color. Big thanks to Tim Molina and the Courage Campaign. Our editor is Chiquita Pascal. Our producer is Paula Mardo with additional field production by Annika Klein and administrative support by LaVon Briggs. Our theme song is Truck ECA by Otis McDonald. Democracy in Color is produced by Lantigua Williams & Co. 
If you appreciate this show as much as we appreciate you, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and rate us on Apple Podcasts. You can learn more about us at democracyandcolor.com. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter. So tell your friends, your colleagues, and your neighbors to tune in for their dose of political intelligence. Until next time, thanks for listening.